Hold on, let me get comfortable here. Let me get comfortable. All right, are we recording? Yeah, we've been recording. Oh, we always are recording. Yeah, yeah every time we check, every time we're already recording. No, I've been yeah. recording yeah, you guys for the last three hours. Sip on this bourbon. Get a little... <laughs> I haven't stopped for a couple days. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> the from El Toro yeah. Studios, brought to you by ElToro.com, the only one-to-one, one hundred percent cookie-free IP targeting solution. This is the Straight from the Bull podcast. Welcome to the third episode of the El Toro podcast. My name is Kramer Caswell, and as always, I'm sitting here with the David Stadler and DJ Oz, a.k.a. Austin Whiteley. What's up, guys? Yes, sir. Hey, buddy. So today we're chatting with the in-house blockchain guru, Jared Paris. <laughs> Jared, welcome to the El Tour Podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. I think we should uh, like get a constant spot for Jared on this show just because he's such a wealth of crypto information. Yeah, Maybe like, a, like a crypto minute crypto or something. Crypto corner. Yeah, the crypto corner with go. Jared Paris. <laughs> yeah, so back in, what was it? I guess it was like la- when I first started, I had heard about this little blockchain stuff going on and Bitcoin. I mean, I heard a bit of Bitcoin before. And then everyone was like, oh, you got to talk to Jared about Bitcoin. That guy knows what's up. So <laughs> I walked over money. there like two days in. I was like, hey, man, I've heard about this stuff. Bitcoin just drops so much knowledge on me. I was like, okay, <laughs> don't talk to that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it was funny. We, we, a couple of us were talking about um, getting more involved in the crypto craze that was, um, that was going down in, I guess, late summer 2017, early yep. fall. Yep. And uh, that was the exact same thing that was told to me. I was like, Jared, you're talking about, you know, Jared over in sales, right? And they're like, yeah, he's super deep into cryptos. He really gets it. So mm. if you're wanting a, a quick education, I'm just looking to make some hustle yeah. bucks, man. Yep. So like there's all these people that call themselves experts and crypto consultants, but Jared, in my opinion, is legitimately the real, you're the real deal, man. <laughs> well, I'm glad that what, what all it takes is basically for me to be following it for the past you know four years. But I, I appreciate it. I, I try to be well versed as much as I can and and read as much as I can about it. I mean, that's really at so. The end of the day, all you can what do. what kind of sparked your interest when you first? Uh, greed, money, <laughs> like <laughs> everyone good reason. else. I mean, that's 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 kind of the beauty behind it. Is I think it kind of speaks to our most in, internal basic needs for you know wanting wanting more, wanting more of uh, money, of of wealth, of everything. Um, you know, I kind of got caught in the craze. There was the initial crash, as as people are now going to think of this as the large crypto crash. But back in 2013, um, there was a equal size run up. Um, you know, uh, Bitcoin was kind of in the spotlight on a much smaller scale, but it ran up from about $200 up to about 1200 and then initially crashed over the next two and a half years down to um, sub $200. So, you know, this has already happened before in the past. It's just become much more ingrained into our culture because this time around it was obviously a much larger number and more people got involved. You had your, your more retail investor get involved and start to ask that question. So um, it's been really interesting to watch and, and see it grow over the number of years now. But uh, literally, I, I just saw it, saw the money, followed the money, started reading about it and actually learning about the tech behind it. And that kind of is what got me to really stick around um, was getting a better understanding of even how our own currency works, how actual fiat currency works and how money is printed by the Fed and how that's, you know, inflation works. And, you know, a lot of things that we take for granted, we don't really sit down and think about, but um, it really kind of shined a light on those aspects of something that we all use every day, but really know very little about ultimately. So. So when you actually first started talking to me about cryptocurrencies, you made a reference to the use of credit cards back in, I'm, I'm guessing, like the 70s uh, oh, yeah. and 80s and times like that. And I, it, that really resonated with me when you made that kind of analogy. I, I'm, I was hoping you'd kind of let the listeners kind of in on your 
Pull back the kimono a bit, man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's Tyler's favorite saying. <laughs> it works so well, though. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think if you look at the nature of money, um, you know, even fiat currency is fairly new in the grand scheme of things. You know, you look back and, you know, going way back in time to gold and precious metals and, you know, different forms of coins that were used for trade and for currency. But ultimately, people would trade whatever they needed to for commerce, whether it was livestock or whether it was, you know, a piece of paper that denoted value based on, you know, the government says that something's worth money. Um, but, you know, over the past 30 to 40 years, even we've seen the transition from, you know, hard cash to, you know, a check, right? And then what, what came after the check was the credit card and the debit card. And, and really money's become more virtualized over the years already. This is just the next evolution. Um, to me, it's really not a big jump at this point. We already, I mean, my, my debit and credit card is essentially a series of numbers that, that transfers other numbers from my bank account to another person's bank account to buy something. Um, can, can, you, can you explain, because for the people that are listening that don't really have an idea of what blockchain technology is and yeah. cryptocurrency, can you kind of explain a little bit in detail, I mean, yeah. don't get super granular because no, I have no, to no. take a shot of this bullet bourbon. But, <laughs> <laughs> that, that might but yeah, it. just just for the people that are yeah. listening that might not know what we're talking about. Yeah, sure. So so we're talking about you know tr- truthfully we're talking about Bitcoin. Bitcoin essentially is a decentralized. Um, asset. Uh, blockchain is the moniker given to it. But when you really think about it, when you break it down to its most simplest form, there was really two big evolutions of monetary um, tracking, if you will, like bookkeeping or ledgers. So before there was a ledger, that had to be created, right? Someone actually literally writing down what was spent from you know pluses and minuses from your actual account. And then came um, you know dual entry ledgers, right? So it was between you and a bank, essentially, who was the arbiter of how much money that you actually had on hand, right? So the the true, um, I guess, breakthrough with blockchain and, and cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin is that there's not a central party that ultimately keeps track of that. It's kept track on a completely decentralized database that everybody essentially is keeping track of at the same time. So it's a state-based where if I have, let's say, five Bitcoin, and I say now that I spent one and it's sent it to another wallet address, the entire system records that transaction. So hmm. I don't need to have you know Bank of America validate that. It's validated against millions of other computers that are processing this giant ledger, quite literally a giant ledger of all the transactions that have ever occurred on the blockchain network or Bitcoin network. And you can literally go back and look at transactions that have happened as early as 2010, you know, wow. back when it was originally invented. How can you explain to the newer people, too, that they're rejecting it because they're used to money backed by gold because that makes sense because gold is so useful, right? So how can you explain to them computers in a room solving well, math problems becomes value? I'm pretty sure we don't... Is our no. financial system even backed by gold? Not anymore. Not anymore. But, I mean, like, it was. Not, it was. Just, yeah. But, I mean, there's always value I'm, I'm in precious saying, metals. That's precious. why people are, like, yeah. sitting on silver and gold. Yeah. Yeah. And things it's like, like wire diamonds or something. Like, yeah, you can put it on a yeah. saw blade, and it can cut sharp, like, yeah. hard things. So you got but... That- yeah. Aliens and gold at the Fort Knox vault, right? Aliens vault. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, and really there's there's different rules of thought. I mean, there's a lot of different economic theory, game theory behind this. It's not quite that cut and dry, but, um, you know, what the system we're in right now is is the Keynesian school of economics, which basically means that we, we print more money 
right? We, we create inflation, which uh, essentially gets people to spend their money instead of hold it, and you have to invest it and use it. So that money, it, there's there's things that can happen, uh, hyperinflation, um, you know, things of that nature that, you know, other countries go through, like Venezuela right now, or, um, you know, several countries in Africa, where literally they have hundreds of millions of a currency that's worth nothing. Um, so there are some issues with that school that doesn't necessarily work everywhere. Um, but ultimately, our money is just guaranteed by the faith of the government, right? The fact that they say that this is worth the legal tender of X amount. And, you know, that's just what everyone socially agreed upon is that this is something that's valuable. Um, gold has obviously stood the test of time. You can make things out of it. Uh, jewelry, it can be used as commerce, although I don't know of anybody that's used gold to buy anything <laughs> in the last... Since I've been alive, <laughs> let me let me bite this gold coin. Make sure it's real. <laughs> this bag of silver. I like yeah. to buy your cow. Um, but ultimately, you know, it, the funny thing is, so again, when you start getting into this world, you start to really look at how you view money, and it changes. It's changed for me because ultimately, it's really what me and you decide as what's valuable or not. Yeah. Um, same way, like, why do people collect baseball cards? You know, yeah. they're valuable because they're rare. Right? God only knows. Because they're man. cool? Or whatever, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Pokemon cards, there's there's also different things that you can, just, uh, you know, you can set a value to something just based on whatever you believe it to be worth. Um, but ultimately, it's infinitely more, you can send a million dollars to the other half of the world and spend all of about 10 cents to do that. Whereas, try to send a million dollars anywhere from the U.S. and you're not going to get very far. I mean, personally, I hold all my wealth in pogs as well as Beanie Babies. <laughs> yes. Um, that's my retirement plan. Yep. So That was before my time, man. Yeah, well, I, I put mean, my money you know, into VHS. I, I think I was like, when the Beanie Baby craze was going on, I think it was like four or five. I used to have like 200 Beanie Babies. Dude, I knew a kid in high school that sold a bunch of BB, Beanie Babies his senior year. And ended up with like twenty two thousand dollars. Oh my god! I was like, oh my god, you're like the Beanie Baby well, I'm pretty, hero. I'm pretty sure when I hit like fourth, fifth grade, when having Beanie Babies wasn't cool anymore, my my dad was like, we could just sell them on eBay. And I was like, cool. I think I had like two hundred Beanie Babies. I got like twenty five bucks. <laughs> eBay, like, now, it's dr dramatic drop. Can I get a dollar? eBay yes. is magical to old old people. It's like oh, I just put it on eBay. My dad still <laughs> uses eBay. Yeah, people still use that. Yeah. I buy some stuff on eBay every now and then. Yeah, I haven't. I've never bought anything on eBay. No, I haven't either. Never. It's weird. It's but I'm 22, so I haven't bought. Yeah, it. it's kind of that's it's before. Yeah, it's almost before yeah. your time. It was ahead of its time, and you were maybe just past that before you actually. Or I remember to my dad buying some buy stuff it. on eBay. Like we bought a few car. I think we bought like a car. I think he bought a dirt bike. I bought a, a car things. on eBay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, so to get back on this, I wanted to talk to you about this thing that I was reading called the the Brave browser. Have you seen you guys seen this? So essentially, it's it's a browser that's built on blockchain technology. Do you know what I'm talking about, Jared? Yeah, yeah. So essentially, it uses a what they call a basic access token, and it supplies it to publishers and people that are using the browser. I mean, I'm, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Here, so that's why I wanted to talk to you about this, because so, you, you could speak on it. Technically, it's basic attention token. But um, the idea is... <laughs> Such a catchy close, name. Close enough. <laughs> um, you know, the idea is, well, first off, so the Brave Browser was actually um, created by Brandon Icke. 
which I believe he Eichner maybe Brandon Eich. He was the one who built the Mozilla uh, Firefox browser. Oh, so wow. this is a credible good uh, establishment. This isn't you know this is a credible business. You know there's a lot of companies that are unfortunately fly by night because with crypto there's so much wealth and people are just kind of jumping on the train be, and writing white papers and creating things that are completely fictional. But um, you know what really is interesting about this concept is it's kind of something that I think as a company like El Toro we we are striving to combat um, you know fraudulent activity. Uh, through the ad networks, and this is a, a different take on solving that problem, right? We want to try to get rid of the wasteful ad spend, more targeted ads. We also want to eliminate waste and fraud. And this is a, a new concept that they're trying to essentially um, find a fix because I don't think there's ever going to be a you know 100% answer to combating fraud completely, right? There's yeah. always going to be, where there's money to be made in doing something fraudulent, people will go to great lengths to, to make that money, especially with how much money there is at stake every year in advertising. And um, you know, with some of the problems that they're looking to solve, it's trying to create a, a different reward system to fight the types of people that would ultimately look to game the system mm -hmm. by not making it as enticing for them. Um, and there's different incentive structures. So, you know, if you're browsing on the Bray browser, you are rewarded with your time on a, on a publisher's website, which is rewarded in those tokens, which then can be used to redeem for actual real-life money because you can trade that to any other cryptocurrency ultimately and and literally <coughs> monetize that so you're monetizing your time yeah right it's just built on ethereum right yeah so that and that's a another conversation for another time but quickly on ethereum is it's a it's a blockchain if you will but it's essentially a touring complete programmable blockchain so you can actually build um smart code uh, or smart words. yeah <laughs> uh, so um <laughs> smart contracts that will execute based on certain mechanisms yeah. that you can code into it right it's literally the reason why and obviously i work for El Toro is technology fascinates me and whenever you talk about something that literally sounds sci-fi it's it's pretty cool and I think that it's yeah. it's worth trying to understand because um, then what are we all doing here anyways but um, so the idea is you spend time we all spend time browsing the web already um, the way that it works now is you have your behemoths like Google and Facebook who basically take the majority of all the dollars from the advertiser uh, leaving the publisher with very little and ultimately, the user suffers because their experience is very poor. The targeting uh, mechanisms are poor. There's a lot of fraud that's that happens that affects not only the advertiser, um, but it affects a lot of people downstream from that as well. Um, so what they're trying to do is build a better system that not only ultimately provides better service in terms of web browsing for the consumer, more privacy-centric. Um, they're also trying to reduce that same fraud. So in the same sense where you can go to a website and you'll see 20 ad placements, you'll maybe see one or two on the Bray browser, hmm. right? So less clutter, there's less load times. And people are less likely to want to game that because you can't make as much money, right? If you're a fraudster and you're looking to make more money, you want to try to, you know, you want a wide vein. In volume. You want a wide <laughs> vein, exactly. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you can game it to to try to steal as much you know money as possible from the advertiser. So this but, is okay. like this is super relevant to like digital advertising. Oh absolutely. Yeah. Straight up. Absolutely. Well I mean before my head explodes. Um, <laughs> a lot of you know, I've, 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 I've read an article on this here recently as well and my, my I, I think we should probably take a little bit of a bourbon break here. Yes. Mainly because my uh, <laughs> yeah, my, my glasses spinning, turned up dry. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. so today um, we're actually sipping on a little bit of bullet bourbon uh, from Diageo. <laughs> And this is a 90 proof spirit, uh, so it's a little bit milder. 
um, proof-wise than a lot of the other bourbons out there, uh, the previous bourbon that we've sampled here on the podcast, uh, 1792, um, for those of you who don't recall. And uh, to me, uh, you know, and I, I don't read tasting notes. I don't really care what people tell me it's supposed to taste like. I know what I taste. I know what I like. I drink a lot of Bullet. Um, so for the record, we are not sponsored by Bullet Bourbon. But we could be. Mm. We could be. Uh, just give us, a, give us a shout out there, Diageo. Uh, however, um, I love this stuff. I drink it often. This is what I currently am sipping on in my house. Um, when I drink this, I taste a little bit of vanilla um, as it's Talk going down. I think it's pretty oaky. I like that. Very um, tasty. Very tasty. I, yeah. I like this. And we're sipping on it neat here, so it's not like we're cutting it. I mean, no. heck, if I did need to cut it, I mean, I can add my own water to bourbon. I'm not a child. I like. So did you guys know that So the bourbon or the bullet bourbon, like the bottle, so the label is always sideways? Yeah, they did purposefully you know do yeah, that. Yeah, they purposely do that because they used to just back in uh, – when was this bourbon – when was it? Let's Beats see. the heck out of me. I mean, it, it was, looks like a medicinal bourbon it's bottle old, from yeah, it's like a really Prohibition. old bourbon. It is yeah, good and for they you. used to just sl- they just slap the label on. That's yeah. what they used to do. So now I heard um, one of your friends from well, Sour he's Mash actually going to be a, a guest on our podcast here, Andy oh. Hunefeld from Sour Mash Tours. He was dropping some knowledge yeah, bombs on us. He told me that now, actually, if they put the label on straight. <laughs> they take it off and they put it sideways. Yeah, like, oh, it's wow. like their brand. No, that's exactly yeah. right. Wow. It's pretty cool. Yeah, oh. pretty. Interesting. It gives it a little bit more of a uh, a crafty feel. Jared's dropping knowledge on crypto. I'm dropping knowledge on bourbon, yeah. bullet, All right. bullet thank, brands. Thank God we could get a little bit more bourbon in our system to get in, get into further technical conversation. But I mean, so I I, I kind of get the purpose of this new coin. I kind of get the purpose of this new browser. And you know, my apologies if I sound naive to everybody out there. But it's just supposed to help ensure a better likelihood of serving ads to real people. It's it's yep. another mechanism out there. But and, and personally, I think this is a fantastic concept. Um, you know, you change the pricing structure, you own the currency for it. I mean, yep. all of this is from from a standpoint of somebody like creating a technology and owning that technology. That's a really attractive concept to me. Um, but. I think we'd be a bit naive to kind of not recognize that there's significant issue, you know, kind of transferring. Uh, go ahead and use a new browser. I mean, mm-hmm. it took me, you know, I'm, a, I'm one of those people that's like, I'm not going to give Google any more of my information. I already give them so much. Dude, I was on Firefox. I was one of like the last, you know, Firefox or Safari holdouts out there. <laughs> yeah. It took me forever to move over to Chrome, but it's, you know, I, I actually, finally gave in. I actually use Safari now because of you, interestingly enough. Ah, I use Safari. Good. If I don't have to do uh, something related to Chrome because of their apps, I use Safari. I mean, it's, it's so different in terms of load times. That's, just on a that's, a, that's an interesting note. point, though, because I'm a, lot, I'm a lot younger than you guys, and, like, I've just kind of accepted the idea that all these, like Google Chrome and these people are, are just taking my data. And like, I'm just and like, they don't oh, everything okay about it. Crane. Yeah. I just don't really yeah. care. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, it might be a generation gap. That might be a real thing. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, really uh, just uh, in the, uh, in the, for full disclosure, um, I got about a decade on Kramer and I think Jared and <laughs> Jared and Oz, Jared and Oz here are probably in the same boat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not that cool with giving up my data, you know, and, and I don't know why I'm just, you know, if I have the capacity to be private, I will, yeah. you know, I figure one day when I retire, man, I'm not going to use email it, anymore yeah. because I can't. <laughs> I think it's just, I, yeah. Cause I've just been using like Facebook ever since I, I, it was, it wasn't like I adopted this technology. It was just kind of native 
with it. I was, it was just, just bored. I was just yeah. It was just so what everyone did. I'm just kind of so like, ah, they have my data. I know that. Yeah. Eh, whatever. Uh, you know, I think the idea is for me at least, and with this concept, you know, and I agree with what Styler said 100. It's very hard to get people to change off an ecosystem that they're used to, mm-hmm. whether you know, or you know, knock them off their habit of what they're accustomed to doing. You know, it's almost automatic that somebody goes to Google and looks up something before they you know navigate to the website. Even um, you know, we're kind of entering that kind of world where that's your portal, if you will. If you remember back to you know, I still remember going to AOL.com and searching a site or going to Yahoo <laughs> as my search portal. And literally the reason I started Find using it, Google. Find it, Lycos. Yeah, Lycos. Yeah, Ask Jeeves. And, um, you know, I would, Ask Jeeves. I would go to Google and I remember simply because when it was first, I mean, this is really before Google was as big as it was because it was simple. I mean, you'd go to it and it's still to this day. Search. Google. That's all you see. There's nothing else. There's no clutter. Man, you no guys are dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, when I when Man. I saw this when I saw this new browser, um, you know, I was like, okay, I get it. It's it's going to help the publisher get rewarded. Yep. Um, you know, it, helping keep a lot of fraud off their system. It obviously helps the advertiser, but from a user standpoint, and I see that it says that it rewards the user, but. I find that very thin. I mean, yeah. if you came to me and said, "Hey, I'll give you, you know, a hundred bucks to change banks," mm-hmm. dude, screw you. I don't need bucks. that money. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, a hundred bucks is a hundred bucks, and that's a lot of money. But man, I'm not gonna change my bank because of that. And I feel the same way about my browser. You know, I've got all my passwords stored, you know, in a LastPass plugin on Chrome or in Chrome. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I went full bore when I do it. I don't go half yeah. way. Um, but I kind of see quite a few barriers to entry to this and not to be a pessimist, I don't see this taking off. And I'm, you know, I'm obviously not the dude that designed Mozilla originally. Like I, I, I'm not trying to make myself sound smarter than the average bear, but man, I think that's a, that's a, that's a monumental task to to get people. What are your thoughts, Jared? Because I know you, you talk a lot about looking into the future of how blockchain is going to literally affect all of our lives. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think in certain industries, I think people go overboard with any new technology, right? It's yeah. it's not a cure-all. It's not a panacea for all of our ills and, and worries. But I think in certain industries, it's absolutely going to revolutionize certain things. Supply chains, I think it's going to revolutionize banking, obviously, um, as, as one of the largest ones. Ethereum has a lot of different interesting ideas, some that are kind of really far out still, and I don't think that people will um, truly understand it until another 20 years from now. But if you look back even to the beginning of the Internet, no one probably and today thought 20 years ago we'd all be consuming most of our content on you know watching Netflix and Hulu mm-hmm. like no one I no one I know yeah. has cable anymore True. right back then but guess what everyone had cable everyone had TV that's all they did so I think those things can happen very quickly within within you know and I think those those cycles are happening fa- happening faster people's acceptance sort of this technology is happening faster I mean I, every time I go out I see more and more people with smartphones whether it's old people young people everyone has one right it's the barrier to entry becomes a lot lower um, but in terms of someone switching over to this browser I think it, it really depends on what the market is willing to accept or, or what the user is willing to accept. There's been a lot of issues with um, security of data. There's been a lot of issues with how advertisers and how big corporations like Facebook and Google are using their data and whether they think that they have they should have that much power. I think the concept behind the Brave Browser is that they're trying to give more power back to the user and saying, hey, your data is yours, your time is valuable, and we think that you should be compensated for your time. And advertisers would much more likely have it con- 
conversation with you directly than having to go through all these third parties. And as you know, in the ad tech world, there's so many different types of SSPs and DSPs and DMPs and more acronyms than you could ever want. And that's where, you know, unfortunately, that's where all the fraud happens is there's so many middlemen that it gets to be kind of incestuous. So yeah. That's the idea. I think that if people really care about certain aspects of their online privacy, then that might matter. But ultimately, the market decides that and people will decide that. And whether it's worthwhile or not is yet to be seen. But, um, you know, it would have to be a pretty strong reason, again, to get them to switch. It depends on how much money we're talking. I mean, advertising is a huge industry. Um, and if advertisers can spend their money more effectively and users can be more happy, then I think we'll see a change. But... The way the system works right now is that, you know, unfortunately, it's the Internet is free because of advertising and it's, it's basically paid on the backs of advertisers. Um, you know, that's why you don't have to go to Wall Street Journal. And if you don't want to be paying a subscription monthly, then you have to see ads. Hmm. And that's yeah. just how it works. Yeah, I never really thought of it that way. Yeah. And I mean, I also um, there, there were I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of folks know that there was a recent downturn in the cryptocurrency market here oh, recently yeah. over Ooh. the past few days. What was it like a 10 percent dip in valuation? Oh, yeah. Man. I mean, we're talking 40 percent the last there, month. There was an art. There was an article in Yahoo about, um, you know, suicides and depression and all this other kind of stuff that was um, being brought about because people had leveraged themselves so heavily into cryptocurrency that um, yeah, people are watching. They lost their butts. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think a part of it is um, 100% true. I mean, the market has has you know, with any with any great rise in the market, and you're talking, you know, looking back to where I look from, I'm looking at from when I initially started getting into Bitcoin at $200. So to me, 200 to 6,000, what it's at, 6,800. I'm still fine with that. Crushing it. It all depends, right? It's all relative. You got if, $200? Yeah, that's when I started buying. Wow. Can I get a dollar? Uh, <laughs> I started buying Ethereum at 10. Man, what's your net worth, man? 200-something, so. Dude, I bet. Bill Gates over here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jared Paris. He's (laughs) one of the most eligible bachelors in Louisville, Kentucky. I am sure he is rich, rich, rich. (laughs) We'll just just go ahead and and I will completely leave that up to just random dumb luck and and just being very interested in in this kind of emerging technology that, for all we know, could could be completely a farce and go away in the next few years. But, uh, you know, I think it's like anything else. Markets move in cycles. They're starting to see, um, you know, cryptos are are not a currency, right? By the government, they are not. They're a commodity. And ultimately, you see these similar cycles happening in other commodity markets. So it behaves very similar to other financial instruments. So I don't think it's – I think it's cyclical. I think that these these kind of hype trains come and go. Uh, two of the big factors, I think, leading up to why we saw such a, a major pullback was um, – so first off, there was a ban across both of the, the two giants. So <laughs> Google and Facebook both banned the advertising of cryptos because unfortunately – there's a lot of bad bad actors. They're they're putting out things that are literally quite literally. I didn't know that. Huh. Yeah, they banned That's it. They banned it for oh the last uh, probably well, basically last four months. You remember that? There was a guy that came into the office that wanted us to kind <laughs> hey, of might to, to back sh- his his yeah. crypto, and I was like, "You are Jared." Talk to that guy. Ludicrous. Well, I talked to that guy. What was the name of it? I wasted. Let's not drop names. But Jared, I wasted forty minutes listening to this dude wax. Terrible. It was terrible. Yeah. And he was here for what, like two weeks? I remember this guy. No, no that but was he a brought in a buddy. Yeah, it was yeah. a buddy of his yeah. that. Uh, I mean, it was. 
you know, there's it's a lot of charlatans. Uh, moving on. Yeah, and and, and and with these types of with these types of emerging technologies, I mean, it's just what it is. I mean, it attracts people. There's a lot of money at stake. Um, you know, it plays to everybody's. You know, again, greed is the motivator here, which is ultimately why I think it's going to last. And and why I tell people, I'm like, look, ultimately, people are greedy, and if they can make money doing something and they can justify it it might exist, <laughs> you know, like these, these types of things can go on for a very long time just off the back of that. But I do think there's legitimate technology behind it. Ultimately, um, the market pulled back in a healthy fashion. It, you can't expect something to rise two, three, four, five thousand, 5,000, some cases, 10,000%, you know, in a year and yeah. not have it pull back. If it doesn't, then there's something wrong. And, you know, I think it's it's a symptom of a larger problem. I think we're going to see, uh, you know, it just globally, even um, in, in traditional markets and securities, we're going to see a pullback. Um, we're already starting to see that in China right now. Their real estate market starting to wind down. Um, we're starting to see, obviously, in other cases, other countries that are, you know, collapsing. Their, their, their currency is collapsing. So um, I think there will be more of these kind of bubbles and bursts, and we'll see that either, you know, eventually go on to maturity, or eventually it'll just completely die. But ultimately that's that's kind of where I look at it. But I'm in it for the long run. I think the technology is solid. So, you know, my, my stance is I'm just gonna keep following it and you know, I find it interesting. So Yeah. Hey, that's cool, man. That's and I mean cool. you, you told me that you you believe that people will eventually have to own cryptocurrencies to transact business through many you know, I guess verticals or industries or things of that nature. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, I kind of take away from owning cryptocurrencies. You know, I, I, I dabbled heavily in, you know, late summer 2017, um, got out very quickly, um, fortunately. Not for the fan heart. Um, but um, I still hold some uh, yeah. because I, I really do believe that. And, you know, I think that you kind of have to have a little bit of assets like that. You know, you might as well keep a little bit of silver around just in yeah. case the dollar's not worth a damn thing tomorrow. Yeah. Jared got me to buy some. Yeah, straight was, up. Just broke up with a girl and I was like depressed. I had some money. I was like, shoot, let's just try this. <laughs> What's the worst? I'm not taking anybody out to jail. I might as well buy some crypto. like, hey man, you should put that money in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Get them hustle. I was like, this guy, he knows what he's talking about. Let me preface this. I'm not a financial expert. I do not give advice on what you should buy or not buy. And ultimately, you know, it's funny though. Really what I tell people when they're interested, I said, look, I'm not going to tell you to buy it. I'm going to tell you to go and research it and read about it and understand, just try to understand some of the implications of what it could be. And if it makes sense to you, then you'll buy it. It's it, I don't have to sell you on it because ultimately it's it's a concept really to this point. And it's becoming more and more like a financial instrument. But if you don't see the value in it, then don't buy it. I mean, at the end of the day, how many people – I can probably tell you how many people said they would never own a smartphone. And guess what? They all own smartphones. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> I'm rocking a Motorola StarTac. Yeah, no Fake news, man. He's got the Salaries. I know you own a – what do you have, an iPhone X? Oh, dude, yeah. I got, I got the <laughs> Fake biggest news. and baddest iPhone I can get. Awesome. So, <laughs> so the moral of the story is Jared says buy Bitcoin, Ethereum. <laughs> yeah. All Listen to Bitcoin, Jared. Buy Bitcoin. All the credit cards you can because yes. the market is hot. Awesome. Leverage debt. Buy crypto. <laughs> Toes, bet the house. Timing is everything, folks. Timing is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Sell your dog. Well, cool guys. That's awesome. So next week we're gonna have we're gonna have the one and only Mark Jurich. Ooh. Mark Jurich is coming on. Talk about the Jurich Group. Exciting man. Yeah, yeah some hot it. details uh, going on in Louisville. Nah. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Jared, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, it's a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. It's it's really interesting and fun to talk about the crypto space. So I'm always down for it. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening to the 
third episode of the El Toro podcast. We will see you here next Friday. You've been listening to the Straight from the Bull podcast from El Toro Studios, brought to you by ElToro.com, where we target people, not pixels.